Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January edition of The Dan Chronicles, the audio portion, which is the podcast edition of my monthly newsletter, which is available for subscription at Danberg. That's D A N N B E R G dot Substack dot com. Super happy to have you with me in this lovely brand new year of 2023. Uh, and 2023, it's uh, a, a new year, a bunch of new goals. I, uh, Avi, my wife, and I always do this annual planning thing. So usually at the end of December, when things are light with work or off for work, as it was this year for me, we take some time and and take stock of the past year and set some goals for the upcoming year. Uh, we have started using this really great template. It is called Gustin's Annual Review. And if you're if you are interested and you want to Google that, just Gustin's annual review, it'll come right up. And he is I don't know anything else about him other than we use his annual review. But it's maybe like five or six pages, a bunch of different sections where first you kind of look back and then you break things down into themes, all that kind of crazy stuff that we like to do. Um and so as part of that. I was kind of thinking about 2023 and I had some specific goals I wanted to set with regards to my life and professionally what I'm doing, that sort of stuff. And I was thinking about the things that I really enjoy and the newsletter is something that I really enjoy. Um, And so I wanted to set some goals for myself around, I guess, diversifying my income, that sort of stuff. Anyway, spoiler alert, there is now a paid option of this newsletter that you can subscribe to, uh, but I wanted to do it in a way that subscribing is completely optional. So if you don't subscribe, you don't pay, you're going to get the exact same newsletter, the exact same content. If you like it, you can subscribe. But as a subscriber, you're not going to get anything additional. There's no bonus content, no anything else for right now. For me, it was more just kind of, I guess, an experiment to try to see if anybody wants to subscribe, uh, mostly because subscribing to I guess, content creators or artists or or people that make stuff online that I enjoy is definitely something that I do. So if there is an artist that has a book, I like to buy that book. If they have a Patreon and I particularly like their work, I'll subscribe to the Patreon, stuff like that, just because I like them and I want to support them their work, not necessarily because I get the extra content. Um, And so I wanted to experiment and enable that here. Uh, and see if anybody wants to sign up. So that's now available. Uh, And I guess tying back to what I was talking about with 2023 and the annual review, I set a couple of goals for myself for 2023. The first one being get one paid newsletter subscriber. So if you're listening to this and you want to be that person, go ahead. Uh, If not, obviously no pressure, um, but that could be you. And and I was hoping to get that at least some point this year, uh, at least one. Um, and the second is to make $1,000 from side projects, so not my regular job. And I have a few irons in the fire there, uh, including a, a neighborhood blog that I hope to kind of revive and, and really get going this year, um, and a few other things. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think they're both kind of realistic goals and could 
work towards, uh, yeah, as I said, diversifying uh, my income stream, which I think would be fun and fantastic and allow me to focus more time and energy on the sorts of things that I enjoy. So yeah, that's what I talk about in the intro of the newsletter. I kind of present this new concept of a paid subscriber uh, and the concept being, as I said, no different than the free subscriber other than the fact that you are now giving me money. So that is now an option. If you're interested, go to danberg.substack.com and there's a link there in my latest newsletter to upgrade your subscription uh, and we'll see if anybody does it. And now it's time for the stories. <laughs> um, so the first thing that I talk about this month is the Amazon Echo, which seems to be in a rough spot right now based on some of the stories that are coming out. Uh, and I want to preface this by saying that like Amazon was the first company to create this voice-controlled assistant, uh, and it completely revolutionized the space. And everybody else copied, so Apple has one, Google has one, but Amazon was really the original with their Echo, and it it was really valuable. I mean, people use it as a hub for their smartphone. Um, people that have disabilities now have access to things that they previously would not have had access to and all that really great stuff. Um, but it seems like within Amazon, this was largely a pet project of Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos, as some of you may know, is no longer the CEO of Amazon. And with him gone, the, the department, the struggles are kind of coming to light. Uh, and really what the big story was at the end of last year, the end of December, uh, was that it looks like Amazon, uh, the Alexa losses were around the $10 billion range, which insane amount of money uh, and insane what it kind of hints at for the future of the product, uh, the future being quite uncertain for this product that people have come to really rely on. Uh, and I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because Amazon had the strategy with the Kindle where they wanted to release this hardware device that made very little money in terms of device sales, but they would make it up in all the additional ebooks that they would sell. And it really worked, right? So they have become world class in terms of their e readers and they sell the most ebooks out of anybody online in, in the, in the world. And they kind of released the Echo with a similar strategy, thinking that people would get these devices in their homes and then shop on Amazon more. But I don't know if anybody has actually tried to shop with the Echo with their voice. Um, I can't imagine anybody really has because it's just such a terrible experience and, and nobody is doing it. And so what they ended up doing is creating a lot of these devices that they either made very little money on or sold at a loss to get them into everybody's home and then nothing and then nothing. And I, I, I don't know what is really going to happen with this product. Because when you have a voice assistant in something like an Apple phone, it's a feature. It's something that makes the phone easier to use. Same with Google. You can search the web. Um, you can invest in in the kind of home ecosystem that Google has set up. And it's it's definitely a feature of the business. Whereas for Amazon, it it isn't really. It's not a feature of shopping, you know? And so I don't know what they were 
really thinking? Well, I mean, I do because there's a whole startup strategy of build a product that people love, get it into as many homes as possible, and then try to figure out a way to monetize it. And it seems like the figure out a way to monetize it never really came through with the Echo. And so this is a space to watch. I don't I don't really know what's going to happen here, but the numbers coming out from Amazon around these losses are just mind-boggling. Speaking of large companies having a tough time, uh, internal tech emails, which is a, a Twitter account and a, I guess a newsletter that they also send out, which I've talked about before. Um, I find internal tech emails really interesting. They send out sort of private emails that have become public due to court cases and other filings. Uh, and one of the things they bubbled up was this email that Bill Gates, the creator and founder of Microsoft, sent out to Microsoft people, and he was trying to install Movie Maker on his laptop. And his email <laughs> is lengthy, and it's a comedy of errors. He has issues finding the link, and then once he finds it, he has to do these updates, and the updates are terrifying, but only a few megabytes. And he, it just one after another issues, problems, usability issues, and nobody taking responsibility for, for the entire user experience of trying to download this product. Uh, and it's just really funny. And it sort of mirrors kind of what I experience when I've tried to navigate the Microsoft website and do similar things. So it was very validating to see Bill Gates himself kind of have the same issues. Uh, but I think my favorite part was at the end, seeing all of the executives that were CC'd on this email, kind of emailing with each other, responding to this uh, message from a super high up Bill Gates taking ownership over what parts they can fix and trying to resolve it because I've I've been in similar places myself. I know what it feels like. Uh, maybe not to receive an email that bad, uh, but to be in a similar place where somebody high up, the CEO, the somebody in power sends this email and you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this, this is not how we want it to be. How are we going to resolve it? So the entire email exchange was just gold. And so I wanted to share it here. The next story is a follow-up of something that I touched on last month, and that was the uh, nuclear fission, the ignition, which is basically where they were able to have this reaction, this fusion reaction um, that created more energy than it took to initiate the reaction. Uh, and sort of the just mind-blowing things that this possibly says for the future of clean energy and how it's such an important step towards being able to actually have clean energy. It's the same reaction that takes place in stars that we were able to create on Earth. And there was a really great 60-minute segment. Um, the I think it happened like late December that's available on YouTube. So it's 13 minutes and it really dives into the story in really good detail, I thought, that's worthwhile checking out. Um, but I thought one of the things that was most striking about it was how far we are from actually having this in a commercial uh, kind of energy station, right? So we did this one fusion reaction, and it was enough energy, they didn't touch on this, but it was enough energy to boil two cups of coffee, right? So it was a small amount of energy, it took such a long time and money to kind of get there. And we would need to do this like 10 times a second uh, if we were to kind of commercialize this in a power plant. And so 
We're still kind of a far way away. The Biden administration had set some goals for some nuclear fusion energy power plant commercial options for 10 years. It's still looking like that might be an optimistic time horizon. But I mean, the very first step uh, actually doing this thing, which we knew was theoretically possible but hadn't actually done before, is now done. And so there's a bunch of companies with a lot of funding that are now working on this. So there's hope. But It remains to be seen whether we will actually get it to a commercial place within the next 10 years. The next story, I mean, the next story is about Elon Musk and Twitter, which at this point, I when it first happened, I was following it closely. Now I am not following it closely, which is why I am thankful to the journalists that are covering the beat, because I don't have to actually follow it closely, and then I can just read an article every now and then and get caught up. Uh, And so if you're that way or you haven't been following at all, um, you're probably in a better place than me. Um, But there are a few journalists that put together this piece. It was a collaboration article between New York Magazine and The Verge, and it was just a great kind of in-depth reporting, uh, a lengthy, like a long-form article on the entire story up to date. And so if you are interested to kind of get a perspective on on Elon Musk and his leadership style and what's been happening at Twitter, it's a great way to dive into there. Um, And also one of the things that I shared is uh, Mark Cuban was a guest on Jon Stewart's The Problem, so his new podcast slash show. Uh, And I thought he framed it really well or or kind of in an interesting way. It's that uh, billionaires buying newspapers is is not anything new. I mean, like Rupert Murdoch, who, who owned Fox, was just the person who dictated what was on there. Uh with jeff bezos he had a bunch of money he had a bunch of power and he bought the washington post um the washington post has a bit of journalistic integrity still so i I don't think that he is behind the scenes pulling strings about stories but also like he is the owner and billionaires like to buy newspapers and elon musk buying twitter is pretty much the exact same thing uh twitter is kind of the newspaper of the new millennium the new technology right it doesn't have any of the old journalistic integrity type things of of newspapers in the past uh but it it's basically the same category and so when you see his purchase within that frame right of billionaires owning the news it it makes a lot more sense uh and it's I mean, it's also disheartening. It's all very disheartening, but we'll see. I've moved over to Mastodon, uh, which is a Twitter alternative that is way more confusing, but way more uh, impervious to crazy whims of billionaires. Uh, at least I think, I hope. So we'll, we'll see how this all goes. Uh, and yeah, again, I'll be watching this space so you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, and I'll let you know if there's any like big, big updates. The last story is just something a little bit fun. There was an app that many people used. I don't know if you used it. You might have used it called Dark Sky. It was a weather app. It was available for iOS and Android. And it sort of revolutionized. um, I don't know if that's too strong of a word, but it really changed the way people think about weather. uh, Because rather than relying on some third 
party source to give weather forecasts. What it really did is just took in the raw data of the satellite data and then provided forecasts based on that um, itself, like the app was doing it. Uh, and one of the things that it real that it really trailblazed was the minute by minute forecast over the next hour. And so you could open the app and just see what the rain level would be in your location over the next hour. And now all the different apps have a version of this, or most of them at least. And uh, a little while ago, Apple purchased Dark Sky. Uh, when they purchased it, everybody knew, they might have even announced it, that Dark Sky would not last forever. They They kept it running for a long time, but it was an Apple product. And at the end of December, they finally shut it down. Uh, and most of the best features are now incorporated into the default iOS weather app. So you get a lot of those things, but it's just not the same. Dark Sky was a much loved app that is now totally disappeared. And I wanted to share this article from Slate about the world's best terrible weather app, which was Dark Sky. And I thought it was a really good ode to the app and it, it bid farewell in a fantastic way. So if you were a user of this application and you miss it, it might be a salve to the wound. And so I wanted to share that. All right. And that is it for January of 2023. If you're still listening, I love you. Thanks for coming along for the ride. If you want to show extra support, as I said, there is now a paid subscriber option on the newsletter, but just know you will not be getting anything extra. There is no extra content. There is no benefit. So if you do not want to subscribe, please do not. But if you do, you are welcome to. And I will see you next month. Next month.